0: Fran Duraco mm-hmm. is the owner of the Kelmscott Bookshop in Baltimore, Maryland. Welcome to the Bibliophile.
1: Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me.
0: I sought your bookshop out primarily because of its name mm-hmm. and. Uh, Connection with William Morris, and uh, it was sort of funny. I was searching for the bookshop, and there was a detour, and I sort of did all the way around and got into. Johns Hopkins University, which is lovely, so I wasn't that upset, but, and then <laughs> <laughs> then we came down the street, I was, again, looking for 25th, mm-hmm. and uh, suddenly I noticed this uh, sign on the back of this building that oh, said, you uh, saw the
1: sign on yeah, the back.
0: yeah, which said parking here mm-hmm. for Kelmscott Bookshop, so I thought, oh, great, there it is, I didn't even have to look for it, and so I went in and uh, Turns out that the previous owner was just leaving, and uh, he showed me in the door that normally people aren't allowed to go in. <laughs> and I walk into this absolutely beautiful circular room. Mm. Now, did you did you design this room?
1: We actually did do this room. It had been used as a staff office for many years and had uh, been, shall we say, neglected. And we decided we wanted to have, um, in essence, a a rare book room, a place where uh, the books could live in a dignified way. And uh, um, so we set about and um, had some work done. this is the result.
0: And, of course, it's lovely that you have your desk smack in the middle of it.
1: Surrounded by all these wonderful things.
0: All your best stuff. Yeah. Your best item is appropriately... William Morris's Calmscott Presses.
1: The Works of Chaucer, yeah. It's a, a milestone in um, the history of printing and uh, we are blessed to have the uh, good fortune to be the curators of it for a while. It's more magnificent than you can even imagine without uh, having seen it and touched it. It's just amazing.
0: Can you tell me a bit about why you love William Morris so much?
1: I think he's one of the most remarkable people who's ever lived. He was truly a renaissance man of the 19th century with his abilities, interest, and passion for design, for textiles, furniture, etc., stained glass, his own artwork, his own poetry and prose, and on and on and on. Uh, It started with the books because I have a big interest in private press, and of course the Kelmscott Press reinvented a fine printing, which had which sort of died away, and one of Morris's motivations was that the books of the uh, 19th century, particularly the second half, when all the industrialization uh, occurred mm. in uh, England and elsewhere,
0: mass production,
1: in mass production, and he just thought the books were so ugly, and he set about to design and create books that he felt achieved a level of beauty lacking for the last many, many years for the most part. And he published starting in 1891 going on till he died in 1896 and mm. the press completed the works that were in progress and then it died. But mm. its legacy continued with the uh, formation of, of many other uh, very fine presses. Some were people who knew him and had worked with him and others were inspired by him.
0: The Golden cockerel is one Cockrell, of The Golden
1: cockerel, yes. Mm. Uh, the Doves Press mm and Ash and Dean and But
0: you still haven't gotten to the, the answer yet. What but is it? What is it about... Were you a, a teenager when you laid your hands no. on
1: No. This all evolved, as things do for most people in life. I was uh, a book collector for many years and sort of feeling my way. Loved the Victorians. Loved book illustration. And, um, Who in particular did you uh, love? Of the illustrators. Uh, Burne Jones, John Everett Millay. Uh,
0: and how did you get uh, hold of those? What did you do? Did you were you independently wealthy or what?
1: No, although I made a good salary, <laughs> I used to make money. Now I, uh, now I now buy books. books. Yeah.
0: How did you make your money? Do you mind me asking? No,
1: I don't. I was the chief information officer, which meant I was in charge of information services and technology for a large DC law firm. So the pay was great, the stress was enormous, mm-hmm. and I the last couple of years I was there I was casting about for an exit and done but
0: you've done you've done that for
1: 20 years 20 years yeah isn't yeah. that funny Cause yeah, it's a sort, of same, sort of same sort of my story mirrors, too mirrors, yeah, what you, to I'm out away.
0: interviewing people uh, mm-hmm. about books and everything about books what, you're, what you've are what you done then is you purchased a book shop did you? Yes, or I did yeah this one and sorry how long ago was that? Uh,
1: four years it's very different going from being a collector to being a uh, bookseller, and I'll get back to Mr. Morris, of course, but
0: what's the difference?
1: The biggest thing, the biggest difference, is the tension between loving books and buying books that you would love to own, but you're buying them to sell them.
0: Yeah, and you have to sort of fish and cut bait.
1: And it was very difficult for a while when I would look for books or go to a book fair or a book auction. But I've, I've reconciled in my mind. I won't sell the books in my collection, my personal collection. But I'll sell anything now that comes my way as a a bookseller.
0: And it comes your way. You get lots of uh, your stuff just coming through the door. How do you get most of your stuff?
1: It's a combination. Most of the things that are out on the shelves in our general bookstore uh, come through the door. Mm -hmm. I don't seek those out particularly. I buy books at auction. I buy books at book fairs. And then I have a couple of collectors who... I get their lower end as as they move up the ladder with books, but I, I get, I've gotten some very nice books that way.
0: How do you mean you got the lower end?
1: Well, one of the collectors, for example, uh, had a spectacular find at auction that he had to have, and I, I can't even imagine what it cost. I, mean, I, I won't even speculate. So he had to sell off some of his collection. So he.
0: Oh, he had to sell some of his collection in order to, to afford... afford the yeah, I didn't the, the
1: explain that very well. Yeah, okay, he so
0: he's collecting a particular... Author and he wanted to get the high point for that author.
1: Something like that. Yeah. Which author was it? William Morris. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the infamous. We, that, that's worked. That's worked out very nicely because his interest and passions are, are dovetail with what what I'm trying to do.
0: So the, the lower end of his stuff, you scoop that up for your own collection, right? right? And you lower end,
1: are, I'm you know I'm talking a thousand dollars sometimes, you know. End, it's, yeah. uh, so it's not, but for him, it's and sometimes it's duplicates. And he also buys association copies. Morris, or just in general? In general, the 1890s, late late 19th century, early 20th century.
0: So we're sitting in your beautiful, beautiful room here, and we're um, looking at the manuscripts on mm-hmm. the wall, beautifully framed. But when I did come in, you were kind enough to show me your prize, mm-hmm. the, the Count Scott Chaucer. So you got into the business about four years ago. Right. You'd always loved collecting Oops. late... 19th century Mm -hmm. illustrated...
1: Private press, as I went on, illustrated books, etc. And then it all coalesced with William Morris and the Pre-Raphaelites, and that became what I loved the most.
0: And was there sort of a tipping point? You said you wanted to get out of the high-stress, high-income stuff that you were doing, and this came to you, this -hmm. uh, this opportunity. Mm -hmm. Was it something that was sitting in the back of your mind for a few years? or Yes.
1: I, for several years, wanted to do something with books. Mm. Uh, nothing as creative as what you're doing, but uh, basically to be a book dealer on some level. And to be honest, I just didn't know how to get started. Where do you get the books and who mm. are you going to sell them to without a, a shop or a uh, established presence in the book world? And so that sort of stymied me. And, what happened here is I had been a c- customer of this shop for many years and, of course, knew the uh, owners and ran into them, Terry and Don Johanson at actually at a book fair, and we were chatting, and Terry said, we're just really tired. We, they'd had the shop for 26 years, end of six, six days a week, and she said, we've just got to slow down, wind down. She said, we're thinking of uh, fewer days. She said we might even sell the shop at some point, and I, of course I sort of went, oh, and I said, well if you do uh, decide you want to sell it, I would be very interested. That was August, the following January.
0: Did you pull the trigger? Yeah. Did you have to move? Did you do you live in D.C. or do you live here? I live
1: right outside of D.C., so I commute. And if God hadn't invented audio books, uh, audio tapes, I would be crazy, but I listen to tapes and it's rather actually pleasant.
0: I'm sure, yeah. Get, get familiar with some of the, the holdings that you
1: have. Mm-hmm. I like to listen to books that I've read already so I did a lot of Dickens and Mike and, uh, like, and yeah. it's, it's it a different... Reinforce what you've it heard. Does, but it's also a different experience mm. to listen. Mm. So anyway, and we bought the shop. You bought the shop on your own? Mm. Well, it's my shop. I mean, I have a husband and, but it's in my name and he... course, has kept his day job.
0: He's supportive.
1: He's supportive in many senses. And there we were. And the first few uh, weeks, months were daunting, learning the business and et cetera. But fortunately, as part of our arrangement, Terry and Don were uh, available for advice and mentoring and consultation. So that was very, very, very important, those first Months.
0: Well, and as you say, there's still
1: yeah a presence upstairs, and we we consult regularly. We sometimes buy books together, and uh, it's been a mutually beneficial relationship.
0: So they they've stayed in the building. Mm-hmm. There's still a presence. They, as you say, they've got a, a an office, an office, and they do a little. Do they do online, or can you go up she there and check out the books there? She
1: does sell books on the internet, uh, as but well
0: as having their own little showroom.
1: Yeah. Yes, she has her showroom, and she has since started to focus on specific areas, uh, partly based on the collectors she works with, but particularly voyage and exploration, mm. and early printed books. Now, your area
0: of uh, specialty for the bookshop is—you've got—you do have a, a sort of a general selection, but it's—it's—it's it's, it, it's geared in a certain direction or not?
1: Well, I have changed the direction in, in some senses, even for the general bookstore. One of my other uh, particular interests is books about books, books on the book arts, oh, etc. And I've really built up that section, mm-hmm. and uh, which was very small when I bought the shop.
0: For all of us book lovers mm-hmm. and book collectors mm-hmm. and, and, and booksellers collecting about your trade your, your trade your, 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 pa- passion. your passion
1: exactly yeah, so, uh, so that is that has been a, a change and then I wanted to sell books in the about what I loved which were mm. the Pre-Raphaelites and William Morris and Private Press and
0: uh, largely because that would give you the chance to go around and buy the stuff yes. you really really love to buy yes. and just touch it and have it that's heard.
1: exactly right Nigel yeah it's uh, how else would I have ever had my hands on a Kelmscott Chaucer? Yeah, it would never have happened.
0: Now, now, you, yeah, we're we're dancing around this. You got the
1: unintentionally bo- no. unintentionally. No, no,
0: it's, it's it's leading up to the climax. Mm-hmm. We're building the tension here okay. around Kelmscott Chaucer. Okay, so you bought the you bought the place four years ago. You had a few ideas about uh, changing direction. Mm-hmm. And so you started accumulating books in the that specific pre-raphaelite uh, that area. Right. Did you get to go over? to go over to England and sort of sniff around there? Or did you do it mostly on the net or how? Did, where did you uh, it's
1: both. I mean, well, no, not both. I have not been to England since I bought the shop. Okay. Uh, I don't want to confess that. Never mind.
0: Uh, I'll take it out if you want.
1: Well, <laughs> after nine eleven, I stopped flying. It
0: had that much of an impact.
1: It did, yeah it's sad I know I'm working on it yeah
0: just just a fear
1: I, I thought of it as more as a choice but then uh, my doctor called it a phobia
0: yeah
1: yeah <laughs> so anyway well, that that will change f- at some point
0: yeah mm-hmm. I mean we all fear death mm-hmm.
1: and, uh, and,
0: but uh, I suppose why uh, why court it I suppose that's part of it something
1: like that so yeah. of course I drive all the time uh, we actually drove t- across the country and back to do a California book fair yeah, which is more dangerous yeah, than fine. I know it's not. There's nothing rational no, about no. it. No, But the books come sometimes through the door from collectors, and I, I let me also state I, I buy. I'm trying to have just really nice books to the extent I can in in any area, yeah. if they as they come my way. Yeah. Uh, like right now, I have this wonderful set, Annals of Sporting, which is a ten-volume uh, British annual of all of the sporting news and events in the early, it's like 1820s I can't remember the exact date and it's so gorgeous and it's full of wonderful illustrations and Mm. engravings and uh, etc. and it's fabulous Mm. so that was a prize
0: that was a prize that you you bought but it's for sale
1: Yeah, I bought it from the wife of a collector who unfortunately was going downhill health wise and that kind of thing happens
0: and how, where'd you get that, then? Was it a, how'd you find it Well, that? that's
1: how it, the wife came in. She came books. in here,
0: mm-hmm. and then you saw it, and wow. Yeah. Just, uh, yes. Yeah,
1: it's wonderful. Wow. Okay. So we all get our favorites that we hate to sell. Yeah. I wanted to be more than a general... I mean, op, you know, open used bookstores are wonderful, and I spent a good part of my life in them, but I wanted to do something more than that as well, and really... Um, to the I'll never be uh, a dealer like uh, yeah, Peter or Adrian Harrington in England or heritage or the Bowman's here in the US but i'd like to sell nice things
0: so yeah have that, that reputation goal.
1: yeah mm-hmm. exactly yeah,
0: yeah so that uh, you become a des- you become a destination
1: mm-hmm.
0: despite the detours
1: right not everyone gets <laughs> 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 But uh, but it's it's a lot of fun, and we have a diverse group of people who come in the shop. Everyone from John Waters, the, p- the, director, uh, the director, is a Walter Baltimore, in, you know, in hairspray and polyester and oh. all those things.
0: That's uh, film, that's not books. Uh, well, he but he's a book person,
1: and, and uh, a member of uh, British Parliament. But then we have a. a Police officer who collects books and an electrician who collects books, it's and it's just so much fun.
0: And you're right on the doorstep of a brilliant university. Yes, that doesn't hurt yes. either.
1: No, it doesn't. And uh, having our little cluster doesn't hurt. And
0: the cluster of you've got two or three little bookstores in the same little eight. building complex.
1: Right. Yeah,
0: yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So again. It's a bit like the car dealers that'll so They're are all
1: like right next to each yeah, other. Exactly,
0: because that way it makes it just so uh, much easier to, mm-hmm. c- to compare or whatever it might be. To just uh, in this case, just to, uh, there's a nice selection, and uh, yeah. you don't have to go all over the place. They're all here, or the good, you know, enough good number of them are. Right, right. and it right. helps everyone. Else.
1: Well, and in, interestingly, this street several years ago, pre-serious internet, was known as Book Row. There were, uh, in fact, a number of other bookstores. Along this street, 25th, 25th Street, yes, in and in Baltimore, and a couple of them disappeared. One is still there, but only sells through the internet, and uh, so it's. Sort
0: of it's sad in a way. I mean, this is this is what's happening. There's no question. Yeah. There's many uh, many of the actual bricks and mortar shops uh, are going. Uh, hard.
1: Yeah. Well, we sell about half of our books probably through the internet.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when did you get? The poems got Chaucer and how
1: last August, and I was sitting here on a Saturday and happened to look at email, and there was an email from a, a book dealer to about ten book book dealers to other book dealers uh, who were mainly very high end. So I felt very flattered <laughs> to be to be included. How do
0: they know about you today? I mean, they just look at the name of the bookstore and say, oh, they're probably interested?
1: Probably, yeah. I, I can't think of what else. Saying, I unfortunately have some financial difficulties, so I'm going to sacrifice my Kelmscott Chaucer for blank. And I just went, oh my God, and an amazingly good price.
0: So he sent the email out. Then what happened? Besides your heart jumping up into your throat? Well,
1: that's what happened. And uh, spent about an hour. My husband actually was here that day, and Jonathan was here, and we were.
0: Jonathan being uh,
1: my manager, decided to do it. Go for it. Mm -hmm. So I emailed him. No, I called. I called, and uh, I was the first person to call. You got it. I got it. Yep. And uh, called my insurance company <laughs> to increase our insurance. So what happened? Uh,
0: he packaged it up.
1: Yeah, just packaged what it. What did you f- it. FedEx
0: it uh, courier it?
1: I'm trying to remember, it came in the mail. It was in a huge box, mm-hmm. beautifully packed, of course. With the bubble wrap and everything. Everything. It was, you know, it was a cardboard box. big box, and then there's the book. You know, it was very well protected.
0: What was it like to open that sucker up? <laughs>
1: Can you imagine? You know, we we were all just uh, in awe. I guess is the only way I could put it. And at first, we were like, "Don't touch it. Get out the gloves." <laughs> and the but the fact is, the fact of the matter is, the gloves make it harder to turn pages, and you're more likely to damage it trying to slip slide. So we just keep our hands clean when we when we touch it. So it's as I said earlier, it's been a great honor really to to have temporary. Uh, ownership of it.
0: So you, the, the book came sort of in the cardboard box, mm-hmm. and then you decided to actually have a box made for it. Can you tell me a bit about that?
1: We wanted it to have a nice, nice box that would, of course, protect it and uh, show it off nicely. And, you know, there's people around who do that, so we we had it done. And who did you use? The company that Jonathan mentioned. Yeah, what's e- his name? Etherton.
0: E- Etherton is the name of the company? Yes, uh,
1: yes. It's okay. his name as well.
0: Etherton, okay. Mm-hmm. And, and he's in yeah. North Carolina, mm-hmm. and he's he's highly regarded. Very
1: highly regarded. Binder, conservator, etc. cetera. I mm-hmm. had that made.
0: And yeah. so, it's, yeah, I noticed the box has got that, a nice little crushed velvet.
1: To, to encase it. And, uh, yeah. The, uh, so, there it is, and we have it.
0: Uh, you're going to keep it and be the curator of it for as long as you want it and then I imagine perhaps at some point you might.
1: I'll sell it eventually. but.
0: It's really nice to have it It's though.
1: just nice to have it.
0: I loved looking at it. Thank and you.
1: Yeah.
0: And particularly the, the red
1: mm-hmm.
0: ink on the same page as, as the, black. the black. It's just it's so perfectly, classic.
1: Perfectly done. Perfectly done. And uh, as I said to you earlier I, I read somewhere that Outside of the Gutenberg Bible, the Kelmscott-Chaucer is the uh, most important book in the history of printing, and I I certainly think so. so. Why is that? Because Morris, as he did with everything, once he decided he was going to have his own press and make books, learned everything about making books and and selecting the best of the best, the best paper, the best inks, the best fonts in, in, and uh, type. And then he uh, designed his own... Font. Font. Yeah. And, and ended up with three, actually two. Oh. Troy is, um, is a smaller version of the, of the, I can't think of the third type. And then the golden is the more, if you will, modern looking. Mm-hmm. But he learned everything. And what became as passionate about that as everything else he's ever done. I, I just have nothing but admiration and uh, respect and delight in what he, what he created.
0: So much so that you're a member of the William Morris Society in America.
1: Yes. Nothing better than to be with, with like-minded people who are equally as uh, interested. And it's a diverse group and dispersed group, um, but they come. it comes together every year. The Society has a, a meeting, two-day meeting under the auspices of the Modern Language Association's annual conference.
0: So that moves around the states?
1: It does, although fortunately last year was Washington and this year is Philadelphia.
0: Oh, that's easy for yeah, you.
1: Yeah, it makes it easy for me.
0: And the thing that's so wonderful about Morris is the fact that he brings art to our daily life he Mm -hmm. infuses beauty into
1: there is nothing more important to him and and to you he's looking at the new uh, William Moore Society newsletter
0: and beauty well let me read this, this is on the back of the William Moore Society in the United States newsletter, spring 2006. And it says, Beauty, which is what is meant by art, using the word in its widest sense, is, I contend, no mere accident to human life, which people can take or leave as they choose, but a positive necessity of life, if we are to live as nature meant us to. That is unless we are content to be less than men that's what William Morris Mm -hmm. wrote and it's dated February the 19th 1880 yes thank you for this beautiful encounter
1: I've so enjoyed it Uh, this was so unexpected and uh, such a treat to be able to talk about uh, one's passion thank you Nigel
0: Fran Duraco is the owner of the Scott Bookshop in Baltimore, Maryland.
1: Yes, and so happy.
0: I'm <laughs> so pleased to have met you.
1: great to meet you too, Nigel.